Turn me up in the headphones. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Guess what? Your four favorite teachers are back at it again. All of our applications to get the day off have been denied. So we're back for another week, another episode of Tales of the 2%. Man, I got the squad with me, the dopest black male educators ever to exist. I got to bring them in the building. Let's start out with the man, the myth, the legend, my tap twin, my boy, Donnie Williams. Don, what's going on, brother? How are you today? Hello, hello, man. Any day above ground is a blessing, so I'm doing great. Come on, Deacon Williams. You better speak it into existence. What's going on, <laughs> boy? Good stuff, man. Next up in the building, by all means, Najee, I got to apologize because I spent about 20 minutes pronouncing Elta Yeb 100% wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Mr. E, what's going on, Najee? How you doing, bro? What it do, man? I'm good, man. Blessed and highly favored. Come on, these boys coming in here speaking a good word already. And last but not least, the living legend, the man, the myth, the in, 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 irreplaceable one, my man Antoine Lewis. What's going on, boy? How you doing, sir? Hey, man, if I was any better, it'd be two of me. What's going on? Come on, y'all? bro. Come on, <laughs> yes, bro. Sir. Come on, bro. We are in the building once again. Here it is, another episode of Tales of the 2%. Ooh, Lord, that's that chicken salad. Fellas, what's going on? And everybody good? Oh, yeah, man. man. Doing great. Hey, man, you know, before we dive into it, I have to ask what's going on in the classroom this week. So, um, Antoine, actually, I take that back. Donnie, what's going on? Because we seen the video of the bird beaks last week. What are they doing in Mr. Cleave's <laughs> class this week? Oh, man. So they're in the middle of working uh, on an ADI. I told you last week we kind of remixed the lab to make it a little bit more hands-on so they're uh built they're engineering and designing bird beaks and timing how long it takes to collect different types of food uh in the uh during the lab so they have to collect data and all this stuff so my room was a mess uh last week man so to now they're, they're getting to more the literature rich portions of adi like constructing their lab reports and stuff so that's what we Science. do science literature teaching oh, yeah. across teaching across the spectrum my man Listen. donnie williams again with the academic excellence with a hand claps after don oh, awesome. oh, yeah. that's what you did right there don awesome thank you Interdisciplinary, baby. <laughs> all right there it is man good stuff don antoine what the kids doing in mr lewis's class this week hey man uh right now we just uh perfecting our writing skills man and um you know, just trying to make sure students understand the importance of coherent writing, uh, making sure that they understand that, you know, coherence is just like directions, man. If you don't give people the correct, concise directions, they may not be able to get to their destination. So just trying to make sure I steer the youngest into the right way on how to write. You know what I mean? Good stuff. Good stuff. I'm going to be 100 percent. Thank God for spell check. <laughs> <laughs> Dig it. Dig it. Thank God for spell check. That's all yes, I'm going to say. Spell check and what's the other one? Grammarly. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, Grammarly. Yeah. Oh, Grammarly make me sound like a genius. Right, Shout right. Out to people like Grammarly. <laughs> uh, e, man, what's going on, man? How are you helping in the hallways this week? Man, this week, uh, uh, my goal is to uh, do some professional development around the SAMR model. Um, SAMR is uh, substitution, augmentation, modification and redefinition 
uh, trying to get teachers to move from that substitution and augmentation stage, which is that enhanced learning with, you know, with technology and moving them to that transform transformative learning in that um, redefinition and modification aspect of the SAMR model. SAMR model. Wow, that sounds impressive. That might sound like a doctor over there. I was like, I got a dissertation on that thing, Jimmy. Yeah, I called my wife, girl. I got salmon. How bad is it? I got salmon, baby. But here we go. go. If we mess around and they say we are switching to the salmon model, we know who to blame. (laughs) Nice. No comment. Send you everything I got. You know, you know, they'll, they'll mess around and hear that. Like, hmm, I heard about that salmon model on that podcast. Let's go ahead and check this out one time. There you go. Transcendent in the building. Right, right. Because I still, I'm, I, yeah, I'm still working on that water tower project, Najee. Mm. Ooh, nice. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anywho, man. But yo, ladies and gentlemen, again, for our first time listeners, man, we are Tales of the Two Percent, a show by black male teachers for black male teachers. We do this for the teaching brothers who make up the two percent of all teachers. We do this for the culture. We do this for representation because it is important that our kids see and hear us. And even more so, it's important for the other brothers of the two percent to get their voices out there, man. We do this for y'all. We do this for representation, man. We do this for the culture. So let's get it going, man. Remember, make sure to follow us at Mr. TOTP on Twitter or Tales of the 2% on Instagram, man. Make sure you join the conversation in our Facebook group at Tales of the 2% Podcast. If you want to be a part of the conversation, leave us a teacher's lounge confessions, rate or review us, man. Email us at TOTPpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave a voicemail at 470-765-8688, man. Make sure you uh, tap into the conversation. We'd love to hear from you, man. Um, And also, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, our show is set up just like a lesson plan. We have a warm-up. We have academic discussion. We got learning objectives. We got a data dig. Uh, we replaced our independent practice and our guided practice for right now with our teachers' lounge confessions. Got an SEL moment, and by far one of my favorite segments of the show is the ticket out the door. So, um, yeah, man. By the end of this, if anything, you should at least know what a lesson plan somewhat looks like. But uh, let's dive feet first into our first segment, which is the warm-up. Fellas, let's get this warm-up cracking. And I had so much fun with it last week. We're bringing Would You Rather back one more time, man. And we're going to shorten it down to three questions, man. Y'all ready for this? Let's get it. Let's go. All right, man. This by far three of the most interesting questions that I could possibly ask. So question number one, and I'm going to throw this one out to you, Donnie, first. Would you rather eat at the faculty potluck or eat at the class party that has home cooked dishes? Oh my gosh. It's like, oh my gosh. It's like dodging the bullet to get hit by the train. I don't know. (laughs) Oh my God. Faculty potluck or the or the class party with the home cooked dishes. Oh, faculty potluck, but but I'm trashing the plate while no one's looking. <laughs> yeah. Wow! Yeah. Only Everybody only mac and cheese, eight mac and cheese. <laughs> right. 
I have a mac and cheese story, man. Oh, okay, okay. We're going to get to you. I got to go to Antoine. Antoine, faculty potluck or the class party with the home-cooked dishes? I can't lie, man. I, I work with some pretty live teachers, man. I, I'd probably do the faculty potluck, man. I would just, you know, pick and choose. You know, I, what I do is I tell them, hey, make sure you make everybody put their names on who made what. Uh, yeah, so if right. I walk by right. like, oh, no, Mr. Right. Such and right. nah, I'm good. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Before, we get, before we get to the E-Mac and Cheese store, let me tell you mine. I'm definitely choosing the faculty potluck because the way some of y'all send y'all kids to school, y'all ain't finna send them home-cooked dishes either. Faculty potluck. At all. Yeah. You're not sending it my way. No, 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 no. I.E. Break us off with this mac and cheese story. Man, so uh, first of all, I, I'm going to choose the faculty pack or potluck because um, I'm not trusting no kids bringing food from home. Because right. I, I, I just have to, you know what I'm saying, know what your house look like. At least working with my colleagues, I can right. assume that they're clean people. But this, this mac and cheese, man, This my co-worker <laughs> came to me, man. Um, I'm not going to uh, drop any names, Donny, but... Uh, my co-worker came to me and was like, man, I made my grandma's mac and cheese. You're going to love it, man. I'm telling you. And when I went in there, the first red flag was I, I was like part of the last group to go in and get some food. And right. it was a big pan of mac and cheese still left. So I was like, okay. <laughs> red flag number one. Red flag number two is this person was hovering over my back. I was like, okay. So I just got a big scoop of this this mac and cheese, and it wasn't nothing but boiled noodles oh, and cheese. Oh my gosh! Oh. I, I, you know, I, I took a bite of the mac and cheese, man. And when she turned around, it just, I, you know, I put on my Steph Curry, man. I, I took a step back, went straight to the trash can, fade away, then turned his back and walked away. <laughs> I remember name that come the end of the year because somebody's school gonna throw a faculty potluck. I just wanna put that out there. So it ain't gonna be me. Right, hey, question two. Question two. Antoine, I'm throwing this out to you, bro. Let's go. Would you rather break up a fight between two boys or break up a fight between two girls? You know what? This might sound crazy, but I think I'm gonna do the boys, man. Boys don't really be wanting to fight. It's, it's the girls that really have pressure on their chest, man. They when them girls be out for for, for for whatever, they out for edges, they out for eyeballs, <laughs> they out for ponytail. Hey, what's up? At least right. guys, they squabble when it's over with. But man, them girls, they going yes, for broke. Yes, sir. They going, e. they going for it all. So yeah, let's e. get the guys. You breaking up the fight between the girls or the guys? Oh man, I'm I'm breaking up the guy fight. I mean, I've, I've broken numerous guy fights in the past. Girls, I'm just yelling, stop! <laughs> you don't want to touch no females, you know, because they all yeah. rowdy. They start yeah. taking off stuff. I'm like, oh, put that back on. <laughs> not, not getting into that dispute. No, I don't want those problems. Daddy, daddy, you breaking up the fight between the guys or the girls? The guys, because young ladies tend to have nails and they fight oh, very wild. So yeah. I have no hair on top of my head. So God forbid if they get to scratch on the top of my that's bear scout. That's bear scout. I'm gonna have to go to Grady after that. Yeah. Easy. I'm gonna tell you exactly what I'm doing in this situation. 
I'm taking two. I'm taking two feet back, and I'm calling admin. I'm gonna let y'all just go ahead and tie yourselves on that. I don't care if guys or girls. I'm not made to break up fights anymore. I used to break up fights. Mm-mm, can't do it no more, man. Listen to me. Yeah. I used to. I, I like watches. I like wearing a watch. And every every other week, I would break my watch. I'm not gonna tell you was it guys or girls breaking my watch. It's just I I had this thing where I tried to break up fights. I learned my lesson. When the last time I tried to break up a fight, my glasses got pushed off my face. Ooh. Ooh. Hey, that buddy. happened to me too. Yeah, I had to put buddy. it back on like nothing I had, happened. I had, uh, uh, Look, it's the funniest thing. The fight didn't stop till they saw my glasses fall off my face. And everybody was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah Girls up. leave evidence like hair, snatched clothes, nails broke. Uh, just- yep. It turns this boys don't do nothing but bump chest and curse at each other. Girls, it yeah. turned into WWE in that piece. Who yeah. would be furniture movie? Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> last question. Last question. Last question. And I'm throwing this one out to you, Antoine, first. And you have to pick one. You all have right, to right, pick one. Let's go. Let's would go. you rather eat the school lunch or the school breakfast? Hey, I'm going lunch all day. Lunch. Yep. Lunch. Going lunch? Yeah, lunch. Yeah. Easy. Your slice of pizza. <laughs> yeah. Your chicken sandwich Wednesdays. Yeah, man. Or uh yeah, yeah. Dining. Pizza's gonna fry, yeah. You right, you got it. <laughs> Dining. School lunch or school breakfast. I, I I saw it with my boy Antoine on this one. You know, sometimes that spaghetti ain't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, especially when you left your uh your your steak and potatoes at home in the refrigerator. Sometimes that 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 uh that hot dog is gonna start to look pretty appealing after uh, after around one o'clock and you ain't ate yet. Right, right. Now E, you work in high school, but you eating school lunch or you working the school breakfast? Man, I'm not touching that school lunch, man. I am going with the (laughs) breakfast. I'm going all in on the breakfast. I'll get me a bowl of cereal. And I'll just call it a day, man. Or, or one of those breakfast donuts. You know, you remember how they had ah, yeah. growing up. Okay. Yeah, man. You, you get your chocolate milk and you be all right. I'm, I'm, I'm out yeah. the door, man. I'm, I'm not touching that lunch, man. I tried before. Those fries was like, you know, they, they was like spaghetti noodles. I was like, man, these need to sit in the deep fry a little longer, man. So I can't, man. I can't. I can't. Listen, I'm going to tell you one thing I always do, no matter what school, no matter what school year. I make friends with the lunch ladies. I befriend them, and I always do this. I buy some Krispy Kreme at the start of the year for all the lunch ladies. Come the second month of school, there's always a little extra something for Mr. Wilson in the back if you forgot your lunch. So yeah, I'm riding with the school lunch. Plus, somebody <laughs> grandmama always a lunch lady. Oh, I'm yeah, looking for the auntie that. elbows back there. You know what auntie elbows is. I'm looking for them auntie elbows back there. Whoever made, whoever made that food, I'm coming back there. Hey, Ma, how you doing? Hey, Mr. Wilson, how you doing, baby? I'm good, Ma. I forgot my lunch again. That's all right, baby. I got you. Come on. Come on. See? Mm-hmm. School lunch. Slide school. right on through. School lunch. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Ladies and gents, that is our warm-up for today. By all means, it still stands true. The way to a man's heart is through stuff. Hope you just learned that right there. So, Don, it is a new month, man. After Black History Month, it's March. 
It is Women's History Month, and we at Tales of the Two Percent, we support our black women, we support oh, all yeah. women, and we support those movers and shakers and game changers, man. So for this month, we are going to lift up some very cool uh, movers and shakers for Women's History. Don, give us our first woman for Women's History Month. My pleasure, my pleasure. So, Women History Moment. March is Women's History Month. And today we salute and celebrate Gladys West. If you rely on your GPS for directions, you can thank a mathematician whose little known contributions to the mathematical modeling of the Earth recently earned her one of the US Air Force's highest honors, induction into the Space and Missile Pioneers Hall of Fame, Dr. Gladys West. Like the human computers at NASA who became famous with the book Hidden Figures, began her career by performing the complex hand calculations required before the computer age. However, her greatest accomplishment was the creation of an extremely detailed geodidetic model of the Earth, which became the foundation for the global positioning system. Although GPS is ubiquitous today, West says that in the moment, she wasn't thinking about the future. When you're working every day, you're not thinking. What impact is this going to have on the world, she says. You're thinking, I've got to get this right. right. West was born in 1930 in a rural Virginia community of sharecroppers. But from an early age, she had ambition to go beyond farm to factory work. I thought at first I needed to go to the city. I thought that would get me out of the country and out of the field, she remembers. But then as I got more educated, went into the higher grades, I learned that education was the thing to get me out. West was valedictorian in her high school, which won her a scholarship to Virginia State College. There she became one of only a handful of women studying mathematics. You felt a little bit different, she later reflected. You didn't quite fit in as you did in home economics. West taught for several years after graduation and then accepted a position at the Naval Surface Warfare Center in Dahlgren, Virginia in 1956. Only the second black woman that has ever they had ever hired, analyzing data from satellites. Today, we salute you, Dr. West, and your contributions to the world. There it Happy is, man. Gladys West, creator of, or one of the scientists helping to create the global positioning system. So yes, she is literally responsible for women telling us which way to go when we get in the car. Thank you, Gladys West. Thank you for all your contributions, man. That's pretty dope right there. Black woman invented GPS. No, man, come on now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I need, I need Google Maps. Like, I need water. Women in STEM. Women in STEM. <laughs> come on now, bro. All right, Don, give us our learning objective for the day, man. To help foster a better understanding of how masculinity is viewed among men and young boys. All right. So, ladies and gents, hear me on this one. This will definitely probably be something we do a part one, maybe even a part two or three, two, because this is such an needed conversation. This is such um, it's a sensitive topic. So, again, like last week, we talked about nature versus nurture. Are we experts in this field? No. Um, do we know the best? No. But what we are are just four brothers who happen to teach, who happen to be around young men each and every day who are trying to define their manhood and their masculinity. So toxic masculinity is actually something I just learned about. So I'm going to kick this question to everybody. 
Najee, how would you define toxic masculinity? Man, that's a good question right there, man. Um, I would say um, when a man is unable to be him true self vulnerably, mm. um, because after that, when you can't express yourself vulnerably, you're, you're honing in a lot. And yeah. by honing in a lot, you're, you ain't doing nothing but planting the seed of, you know, hurt, trauma, and all of that begins to build up to create this toxic part of a man. So um, that's that. That's you know, and and then a lot of the things that are learned too from home creates that toxic masculinity. So when a man is unable to be him, be vulnerable and be him his true self, I believe that that causes him to be, um, you know, toxic. <clears throat> Antoine, how would you define toxic masculinity? Hey, you know what? Something just came to my mind as as, as uh, Najee was speaking. Uh, imitation creates limitations. Ooh, toxic masculinity to me is when you try to imitate what you believe to be a true man, but in the afterthought of that, you actually limit yourself in being the man that you were created to be. Mm. Mm -hmm. So when you take on some type of identity to make it seem like you're bigger, stronger, or devaluing other people to get mm -hmm. yourself to another level in life, you're limiting who you were made to be, which is an authentic copy of who you are and not somebody else. That's deep. Right. That's good. Yeah, that's yeah. real good. Yes, sir. I want y'all know I'd be writing this stuff down. I go back in my book. <laughs> real. Like literally, I'd be, be dropping gems. Like, these gems y'all be dropping. They just listen slow, right? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, bro. Donnie, how would you define toxic masculinity? Man, you know what? I would wholeheartedly have to agree with uh Antoine and E, I think, in my opinion, toxic masculinity, masculinity, excuse me, is an uninformed conception of what a man can be or what a man is. You know, you mm. just have an uninformed misconception of it. So basically mm -hmm. what Lewis said is that, you know, you're imitating or creating what you think it is based off of very limited information very limited exposure maybe you're only limited to what you've seen in yeah. your household or what you've seen in a rap video or seen yeah. in your neighborhood it's just a very limited very uninformed conception of what a man is yeah yeah so I, i'll be honest i had to i had to do some reading and some digging on this for me because in my mind toxic masculinity was just like the the father knows best attitude the 1950s model you know i'm the man i'm gonna come home i'm gonna kick up my feet you work woman you do this go in the kitchen cook my dinner you know all this other type of stuff but i've realized it actually boils down deeper than that so listen to this one definition that i found out real quick right. it says that toxic masculinity is a set of attitudes and ways of behaving stereotypically associated with or expected of men regarded as having a negative impact on men but this is the one that got me and on society as a whole so toxic toxic masculinity can uh, they say can affect society as the whole and it really brought me to a lot of thinking and, and questions and we're going to try to keep the questions short and simple because i know we got a lot to get through but this is the next question that i want to throw out there um it, after I read that definition, it brought me to the phrase man up. 
And many of us have heard that phrase. Many of us have used that phrase. I know I've used that phrase thousands of times in the classroom. Do you think the phrase man up has helped or hurt male teachers? Well, let's just say men, period. Do you think the phrase man up has hurt or helped mankind or men? I'm going to throw this to you first, E. So I will say that the idea of man up was meant for, you know, young men or, you know, just us as men to, you know, put us in a place of being a man like that. They're just saying, like, this is what men supposed to do. Right. This is how a man supposed to handle a situation. But when I think about like the context and when it in which is it, it is used, man up means just hone in whatever it is that's bothering you. You don't show your emotions. Don't express yourself. So I believe it hurts the man, male population. I believe it's, it's causing that masculine toxicity, right? Because we're unable to express ourselves and begin we begin to shut down, right? We're, we're, we're holding in all this stuff and then we explode, right? When we get angry and, you know, yeah. we lash out. And now, you know, now we, we're this person full of rage because of all this stuff that we held in. Little boys crying. Man up, man. Yeah. Instead of telling him to express himself. Yeah. Right. If, if somebody says something to you, you, you can't express yourself. And I look, I was that happened to me as a child. That happened to me playing sports growing up. Man up, man. Man, man, you can do it. Man up. We're hurting our children. We're hurting ourselves by that concept. And that's just me speaking personally based on my experiences and what I've noticed. Oh, no, I appreciate that. That's, that's deep. That's real, that's, that's real sincere. And I appreciate you sharing that. I'm going to throw this question out to everybody else, too. So, Antoine, has man up helped or hurt men? Um, <laughs> You know what? I think it has hurt them only because a lot of the times when they hear that word, it's not even coming from a man. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so they're good. hearing man up coming That's from good. a woman. They're yeah. hearing that coming from a woman. Remember, we tell to the 2%. A lot of our black men are headed in the household of single black mothers. Mm. A lot of the people they see on the average day is a female. Yeah. And so they're hearing that word, maybe not in those uh, direct, you know, uh, words, man, up, but they get that notion from women mm. and a woman. I love women, but they cannot teach a man how to be a man. Right. And so right. it hurts them when they're hearing it from the wrong ch channel of 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 communication. Yeah, if that makes sense. Right. Mm -hmm. They're That's hearing good. it, yeah. but it's coming from the wrong channel of communication, and therefore it is being perceived in the wrong way. Again, another jewel dropped. Another jewel dropped, bro. Like you hit that, you hit something I didn't even yeah. think about. They hear it all the time, like, just from the wrong, from the wrong it. Hit, man. Wow. wow, wow. Donnie, jump in on that, man. Right. Has man up helped or hurt? Uh hurt only because, well, let me not say only because uh in addition to the reasons that was stated previously, you know, like Najee stated, it, the, the phrases become warped from what it was supposed to mean. Yeah. You know, when your pops is telling you to man up, you know, when you're facing or going through something, at least when I was growing up, I knew when I heard that from my old man, I knew it wasn't him telling me to hit the control, alt, delete buttons on whatever I was feeling. 
it was more so a mentality of lace up your bootstraps and get to work. Yeah. You know, if you're facing a hard time, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to work unless you do. So, you know, that that whole man up mentality, that was just, you know, from my perception, that was all about just lacing up your bootstraps, getting your hands dirty and working through whatever's going on. Um, because, you know, I was once told it's OK to feel bad. It's OK yeah. to yell. It's OK to scream. But as long as you're working, yelling and screaming, as long as you're actively working towards whatever it is that needs to be done, all of those things are fine. But what are you doing? Like, what are you actively doing? So Man Up was just all about, you know, getting off of your behind and, and working, yeah. getting to yeah. it. Uh, yeah, listen to me, fellas. I agree with every single one of you that Man Up originally was a, a, a call. It was a charge to, to get us up and active because I think as, as Black men, we were trying so hard to overcome so many stereotypes. We were trying so hard to overcome so many things that were thrown our way. So we as men, we know we really don't communicate a lot. So the quickest way for me to see my brother going through something and to give him a word of advice is to tell him to man up. But like you guys said, it got warped over the years because the the definition or what we define our masculinity on change so much and the mm -hmm. values of manhood change so much mm -hmm. and that brings me to this next question so let's shift it back into the classroom All right. where the male teachers where the two percent we're walking through the school buildings we're interacting with our young boys we're interacting with our young girls and um i'm gonna throw this one back out to you donnie is it the male teacher's responsibility to help young boys define their manhood or their masculinity i'm gonna be honest my opinion no i don't think it's my role to help you define your definition of masculinity because that definition is going to be the one that you carry around with you for the rest of your life long after you leave room 716. Mm -hmm. i do believe though that it is my job to establish a I I do believe it is my job to establish a relationship with my student as to where I teach you how to be accountable I teach you mm -hmm. how to push yourself I teach you how to work towards being the best version of yourself and that won't happen unless I you know I do my part in building good enough rapport with you so honestly I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you no i'm gonna say no i don't think it's my job to help you define that but i do believe it's my job to build that rapport with you and help you in your journey with being the best version of yourself yeah yeah i don't i think it's an assumed responsibility with us just being men that we're supposed to show boys how to be men you know i'm gonna hit mm -hmm. the air quotes with that because there's such a broad mm -hmm. definition of manhood yep. and there's really no right or wrong way to be a man and mm -hmm. i think that's where a lot of the toxics the the toxic masculinity mm -hmm. comes into play is because they're expecting us in eight hours to debunk and peel back 10 11 12 mm -hmm. plus years of seeing 
different things and them defining manhood based off of something else. So I, 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 I can, I can agree with you on that one, Donnie. I can agree with you definitely on that one. Antoine, you brought this up and you talked about a lot of young boys being in single mother homes. So um, do you think it's the black male teachers responsibility to represent what's missing at home? Uh, it is. It is my responsibility because I'm a product of that. You know, um, there was somebody that stood in my gap, so to speak, when I didn't have the necessary um, representation that I needed at home. And so it was that coach or that black teacher that I latched on to and said, man, I don't have a dad at home, but I like how he talks to me. I like how he uh, shows me direction. I don't have a, you know, a, a dad at home, but man, this older kid in my neighborhood, he like a big brother to me. So I'm gonna latch on to that. And so I think in our community with black men, man, we're so influential, man. You know, I mean, if you just take a look around, you know, no disrespect to anybody, but the black man is revered and everybody want a piece of the black man. I don't care. Yeah. Just, just check it out. <laughs> Sports, entertainment, yeah. fashion. Yeah. It does not matter. We show a huge representation in this world. And so, you know, by design, you know, it's I might not want that responsibility. But since I chose to be a teacher in the public mm -hmm. eye, that is my responsibility. Mm -hmm. That's good stuff, man. E, tap in on that question, man. Same question for you. Um, I don't, for me, responsibility, right, uh, to uh, to kind of go back to that question. What was the exact question? Uh, so do you think yeah. it's the black man's, uh, the black male teacher's responsibility to represent what's missing at home? Responsibility, no. Because our response... Our job is to educate our children when we're in the school building because we're we're dealing with all types of kids from all different types of races. So our responsibility is to be educators. But as a man, our presence and this is what we spoke with on our very first show. Our mm -hmm. presence is important because children learn through observation. So how we handle how we have conversations, how we handle situations, which, you know, kids, the, their idea of a male is a male supposed to respond this way based mm -hmm. on their views of, you know, a male. And that's toxic masculinity. Right. But mm -hmm. if I respond to this situation in a different way than the students, you know, I'm saying expectation of how I'm supposed to respond to it. Then now I have shifted that thought in that kid's mind. Like, oh. I wonder why he handled it that way. Observation, mm -hmm. teaching them through what you do, right? So my responsibility is just to be myself and show yeah. them that, yeah, as a man, this is how I will handle situations. Because the kid, if they're not getting it from home, they're learning what a man is like by being in your classroom. And if mm -hmm. they're not, if they're not getting it in your classroom or you're showing them what they already think a man is, then you're not doing nothing but adding to the problem versus changing it. Right. Right. That brings to mind something for me. Um, I want to say the second year I was teaching, I had a young man in my class and in dealing with this man, I did not understand. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a black male teacher's responsibility, but I think we have to know the importance of it um, somewhere around along like second term, third term. The young boy started falling off. His grades started falling out and I had to call his mom. And me and his mom were talking 
And she said, I'm so glad you called me. My son listens more to you than he does to me. And he actually pays attention more to the things you tell him in the classroom than he does when I'm at home. And I was legit floored because I know purposely that year, I don't think I really focused so much on relationships like I could have. But in in talking to her and dealing with this young man, the he was looking to me to fill a hole. And he was looking for me to help him define something that he wanted desperately was to relate to another man, to to see something in himself or have somebody say that I see this in you. So I don't think it's our job to help them define their masculinity, but I definitely think we have to be aware of certain things because as we all know, man, it's our young boys in particular are the ones that are suffering in school and they are the ones that need the most help. Um, so that's going to switch me to this particular question. And it's a bit of a sensitive question, but I, I, I got to ask it. So and this one's going to be out to everybody. So how do you handle the the young boy? who might not be viewed as masculine or the girl who was viewed as too masculine, because I've realized more and more now, this is something that is more common from almost elementary school all the way up to graduation. Yes, sir. It's something that I think not so much they're looking for black male teachers to um really kind of handle but i know just from dealing with some of my colleagues some of the things that we've said have really caused the situation from to go from bad to worse so uh fellas anyone feel free to jump in on this one how do you handle the the young boy who was not viewed as masculine or the girl who was viewed as too masculine um i'll jump in um wow that's a tough one man you know Cause we're all different, yeah. You know what I mean, and and we all we all have a paintbrush in our hands, and we're all trying to paint our own, you know, uh, perception of how we want people to see us. But me personally, uh, I can't judge nobody. You know yeah. what I mean. And and my goal is to not judge any any young man in his growth to becoming a man. This is just one small portion of his life that he's mm-hmm. going to go through when he encounters me. Mm-hmm. So my goal is not to push any type of masculinity on him because to me, that's toxic yeah. for me to go to a young man and say, Hey, if you don't talk with bass in your voice, you're not a man. Come on yeah. now. You know, or yeah. if you don't. So I just, I handle them with respect. You know what I mean? Not, not, not a certain dynamic they have to act towards, but just, characteristics of of being a a stand-up person so i'm all about character for the young lady who might be too masculine hey you know that's her you know what i mean like i said i deal with the person and the character versus what society deems as masculine right right that's definitely good man i i know for me there there are three particular instances that come to mind um the first one was again my second year this is my second year teaching now I had a young girl in my class who identified as a boy. I mean, if you pulled her up in infinite campus, it said boy 
wore hair like a boy, did everything. And I was taken a I, I was taken by surprise because again, I'd heard about this, but I had never really encountered it. And I I not so much regret some of the things that I said, but what I do regret is not taking it as serious from the jump. Eventually I got to know the young lady. She's sweet young lady, cool, one of the coolest students I ever had. But I realized in the beginning, her, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? Her in the classroom, the way she acted in the classroom was a direct reflection of my attitude towards her. When I became more accepting of her, she was accepted more by her friends. She was more comfortable speaking out. She was, you know, more engaged in class. But the time where it took me to adjust, she was quiet. She was drawn back. And she really hadn't reached her full potential. So, again, I, Antoine, my hat's off to you for looking at character first, because that is something I had to learn. The, the second instance for me was, it, again, was another young lady. And she identified as a boy. Anytime I called the kids to go to the restroom, she went out with the boys, but went to the girls' restroom. Um, when I'm telling the boys to line up, she was like, can I line up with the boys? Like, she identified as a boy. Um, I ended up switching schools. And I emailed, this particular student came to my mind, and I emailed her back just to see how she was doing. And her friend was like, she goes by this. And I took it upon myself to say, you know what? I'm proud of you for being your authentic self. I know not everybody's going to accept you, but I'm proud of you for standing and being who you, who you feel you're supposed to be. And the girl emailed me back. She was like, I'm in tears because that's the first time anybody has ever told me that. And I don't always agree with the lifestyle. I'll be honest. Sometimes I think for some students, it's a phase that they're just kind of going through. But I realize if anything, as at what they look for us to do is just to kind of support and just allow them that opportunity to explore. And that's dope. Yeah. That's yeah. Dope. yeah, I, I uh, I'm with you on that one. Um, so, <laughs> so I know. I know. Um, at the end of the day, students are students, regardless mm -hmm. of what they, what gender they identify as, their sexuality. Uh, a 12 or 13 year old is a 12 or 13 year old. They want to be able to connect with an adult while they're in the building because it's all a part that that that's a part of our job it's all a part of that process of getting them to learn we establish that rapport we, we get them to be comfortable enough to learn and i kind of look at, at it as you know who am i to stand in the way uh, or rob them of their comfort while they're while they're at school you know what i'm saying that seven eight hours that they're that they're with these adults that they're with us in this building who am I to stand in the way and rob them of that sense of comfort, you know, to feel like that they can be themselves, you know? So at the end of the day, they, I mean, students are students. They, they want to connect. They want to feel like they're loved, they're liked. So, you know, I, you know, treat my students all the same. We laugh, we crack jokes, we 
we do disgusting laughs that they hate. I mean, honestly, because I think you told me on the first show they might not remember. And I think I think this was your quote, Jeff, or a quote that you got from somewhere else. They're not going to remember. They might not remember a darn thing that I taught them. They might not remember what evolution is or what an ADI is, but they'll remember how Mr. Wilson or Mr. E or Mr. Lewis or Mr. Williams made them feel. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's that's something that they're going to remember for the rest of their life. So, you know, who am I to, to rob them of, of that joyful experience of being in school? So. Good stuff. And, and I can wholeheartedly agree with um all you guys because uh, you all hit on some you all hit some great points. Um, And when I was looking at the definition of masculinity, I mean, it I guess it just speaks to, you know, what attributes uh, classify you as a young boy or a young man. Right. And it's just this imaginary list of things. Um, but for me growing up, I mean, being masculine was playing football. So if you didn't play football, you wasn't yeah. masculine. Or if you don't hold the door for a young lady, yeah. you know, you wasn't considered masculine. So, I mean, it's just so broad and it's just this whole perception of what masculinity is. So judging the kid, you know what I'm saying? Um, a young woman or a young man based on their masculinity, man, just accepting them for who they are. Who they who who they're deciding to be, as long as they're being respectful, they're getting their work done, and you're representing yourself as the man you need to be in that classroom for those kids. That's yeah. what's important. That's that that's what it comes down to. You know, if that girl wanted to line up with those boys, Jeff. Hey, you know what I'm saying? You did the right thing, allowing her to line up with those boys, because that's that's fulfilling for her, and you yeah. just acknowledge her, and that probably did something for her as she moved forward in life, which it did. So, yeah. you know, we're not in the business of, you know, trying to determine who's masculine, and who's not, because that 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 definition is just so big that there is no definition for that word. So just yes, allow sir. kids to be. Yes. Uh, good stuff. Gentlemen, good stuff. We're going to tap out on the academic discussion, but because we definitely have to break this down into part two. I might have to uh, get somebody to come in and help us out. We're going to do we get our first guest or something like that. But actually, before we get out the academic discussion, I, I want you to take a second to think of this. Bro. For each of you, we've all been through school. We've all been through college or some type of educational program. I want you to take a second to shout out that one teacher or coach that helped you when you were in a situation like a lot of our students are in that helped you kind of along the way to who you are now. I'm going to tap in first off my man. I got to send a shout out to Coach Dorwin Lyles. Coach Dorwin Lyles. Coach Lyles was my football coach from the time I got in Morrow Middle School from sixth grade. Then he transitioned on up to high school. So he was my football coach from sixth grade all the way to the time I graduated high school. And we spent a lot of time talking. We spent a lot of time having conversations. And I was one of those ones where I thought football made you a man. And he was like, no, football is part of everything. If football is your only job, then you're not doing something right. And he helped me to see the possibilities and the different avenues of being a man and becoming a man. And the fact that I didn't have to have everything figured out by the time I, I graduated high school, heck I'm, 35 and i still ain't got everything figured out so i want to shout you out coach lyles and thank you for what you did to help me become a better man become a better person real dope man real dope and you know uh <laughs> you know I, I i remember coach lyles man you know me and you growing up together and uh yes, sir. you know uh 
you know, one year Jeff Jeff was the uh, he was the center. <laughs> one okay. year Jeff was the center of our football team. Uh, <laughs> and we laughed because like Jeff is not a lineman at all. Oh, yo, one year yo, they okay. made Jeff the center of the football team. Yo, so, so listen. For those, who don't those, know, for that. <laughs> those who don't know, me and Antoine went to the same high school. I graduated sure. 2005, Antoine graduated in 2006. So a lot of these stories he's telling was true. Right, in high right. school, I'm maybe about 170 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> nice. Soaking wet. 170 pounds soaking wet. But this is what this is why certain people make you feel certain kinds of ways. Coach Lyles had me believing I could take anybody. He did. Anybody <laughs> on the field at 170 pounds. I'm lining up against some of the biggest people I've seen in my life. And he said, you can do it. And I said, yeah. I got you, coach. And I went out there. <laughs> Lord, my back hurt now. Y'all get your shout out to me. Now, nah, real quick, man. Um, shout out to my 10th grade uh, English teacher. His name was um, first name, first name, first name. What's his first name? Uh, well, last name is Mr. Stevens and uh, Tavares. Yeah. Stevens, yeah, 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 Mr. Yeah. Stevens. And uh, man, just real, real, real down to earth, brother. Man, what I loved about him as a black man, he never raised his voice, never, he never raised his voice and got the same respect from mm. everybody. Man, to me, like a man that doesn't have to scream and still get respect, that was dope to me. So, yeah. uh, shout out to uh, right. shout out to Mr. Stevens, man, real, real <laughs> introspective guy. Dope poet too. He's dope poet. Oh man, nice with the rhymes. Oh, he was dope poet. I got to get yeah. We're gonna have to get Miss Stevens on here. We got to get him on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he uh, done. My, my shout out goes to my tenth grade physical science teacher, uh, Mr. Herman Z Whitehead. Fun fact: me and him are friends on Facebook. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what I respect so much about Mr. Whitehead as an educator was the fact that you know i'll just come right on out and say he was hard on us yeah and you know as a student i just thought the guy was ah i just thought the guy was just mean for no reason um but you know getting to know him better after i graduated because there were times where i would reach back you know out to him via email you know especially when i was in college because i went on a major in science i would ask him for advice from time to time and you know him and i would talk and he would say you know the reason why i was so hard on you all as a teacher you all you all being students have grown to rely on us as a crutch mm. and mr whitehead mm. instilled in us the fact that a teacher as a our job as a teacher is to introduce you to the information, guide you, coach you on it, but ultimately as a teacher, get you to a place where you don't need me anymore. Mm. And so, you know, I just thought the guy was just, oh man, he was so mean because, you know, he, he would just forcefully push us out there, you know, with the independent practice and, you know, he, we would feel lost. We didn't know what to do. And he'd be like, okay, well, let's review again. Now get back out there and, and try it. Right. But, you know, now as a man, now as a teacher, now as a father, I now understand, you know, teach you, guide you the very best I can, because I'm not always going to be with you. You're not always going to be in Mr. Williams science class. You know, take what I've given you, take these tools, take this knowledge 
keep applying it the very best you can. If you get it wrong, it's okay. You know, keep applying those methods, that information until you get it right. You know, he, he, he taught me the concept of, you know, teaching me how to fish versus just giving me the fish. So, you know, shout out to you, Mr. Whitehead. Good stuff, Don. Good stuff. Yeah, man. I would have to give a shout out to Mr. Rodney Willingham. He was my uh, 11th grade AP calculus teacher. I was a straight A student, my, you know, all throughout grade school. And being in his class was the first time, the first time I felt like I earned my grade because he worked. (laughs) And and look, look, seriously, because I felt school was easy for me, but he Mm -hmm. made that class so challenging because I walked in with that attitude and he, he humbled me. Right. Say and that, he was that. a graduate. He was a graduate of Booker T. Washington High School, the high school that I attended. And, mm-hmm. you know, coming around full circle, uh, I'm working at Washington High School. Now I'm a graduate and he's still there. Wow. So now we, I, it went from him being my 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 math teacher to you know now we're colleagues together and i'm able to kind of see you know like the, the full circle moment when it come down to it you know just being that positive role model as a man as a black male teacher and then now working alongside of them and looking at them like yeah man you know you're part of the reason for this so uh, man that's uh, shouts out to rodney willingham uh, hey man. hey wait Paul. that's dope yeah. Y'all see everybody shout out they football coaches and, and fifth grade teachers. Not, <laughs> I was an AP calculus. <laughs> Might take an AP calculus, boy. <laughs> anyway, shout out to you, Mr. Willingham. That's real dope that you guys are uh, uh, co-workers now, man. That's really, really cool. Uh, but yeah, man, that is the end of our academic discussion. Then, man, great stuff, fellas. Before we jump into our next segment, man, remember that Tales of the Two Percent is brought to you by the good people at Crux Media. If you want to start your own podcast, email them at info at cruxmediagroupllc.com. They can show you everything from getting your podcast started to getting it monetized. Make sure you contact the people at Crux Media Group to get your voice out there and your podcast heard. And yes, it is a black owned business. So if you got a podcast, you got something to say, man, go ahead and contact those people. They are the ones that got us out there. And hey, I swear we something. Right. So let's jump to one of my favorite segments next, man. It is time for the teacher's lounge confessions. Oh, boy. It's oh boy. about to go down oh boy oh boy all right guys so uh we coming to you live from the microwave in the teacher's lounge guys <laughs> hey hey we're gonna kick it like this this is a uh a letter that came across the desk of mine today and i just had to share it with y'all all right want to hit yeah Here it go. yeah a first grade student of mine gave me a tooth she lost at recess to hold so i wrapped it in a tissue and put it in my pocket but later that day, I forgot about it, mm-hmm. thought the tissue was dirty, and threw it away. I've been teaching for quite a few years and have had many kids give me their teeth, which I keep in a baggie on my desk. I gave this girl someone else's tooth. Hopefully, the tooth fairy didn't mind. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 
so here's my question to the fellas. Hey, look, the 2%. Let's get it. What's the weirdest thing you keep in your desk? I'm going to throw this one right on out to uh, Mr. Wilson. Jeff, what you got, man? What's the weirdest thing you keep in your desk? The weirdest thing I've ever kept in my desk. It's two things that come to mind. Two things that come to mind. A, some socks. Don't ask me why I got socks in my drawer. I just had some socks in my drawer for like a whole couple of months. I felt like I needed an extra pair of socks because my feet sweat. And I'm always on my feet. And I don't like wet socks. So I had some socks in my thing. So the problem is when you switch, when you switch the socks, you now have dirty socks in your drawer. So that's the weird thing. But the why other do I believe is, you? Why do I believe you? Bro, bro, you be on your feet and your I socks get wet. Your socks get wet and you need extra. Listen to me. Y'all don't understand. I dislike wet socks with a passion and my feet sweat. I don't, I'm about, to, I got socks on now. I'm about to change. <laughs> I believe it. Yo, guy. wait, wait. No. So the second weirdest thing is I have, I like old lady candy. And I'm not afraid to say this. Do you know the little strawberry, the ones that look like strawberries? Yep. Little the red and green rubber. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I keep those in my desk too. I, I pop a few every night. So old lady candy and, and socks. Uh, I sound like somebody's grandpa. You so, do, man. Yeah, that's the question to somebody else, man. You need to check that. Oh, that, that, that's, oh, that hey, that's toxic masculinity. But anyway. <laughs> that is. <laughs> you toxic, dog. Hey, oh, hey. Hey, Najee, man, what's the weirdest thing you have ever kept at your desk or you do now? What, what What's the weirdest thing you keep, man? Oh, man, that's... um. That's a tough one, man. Weird. I mean, I just think it's something that's necessary. Um, I keep that spray deodorant, uh, especially as a teacher uh, for the kids now. You know, you don't want to give them roll on because you want to continue to reuse it for the other kids. So I'm, right. I was always quick to spray them with that spray deodorant, man. Look, go to my closet, catch two sprays, man. You're good to go, man. Yeah, so yeah spray, to... walk through, walk back. Yeah, walk, walk, walk through, walk back, man. So, um, and like like Jeff, I kept socks in my in my drawer, but that was only because if we did like a basketball, if I had any sporting after school, you know, I don't, I I always like putting on fresh socks with my. Thank feet. you. That was just thank me. you. But that that's fresh like when I'm playing socks. fresh socks with cleats on, man. It just do a, it do you some justice, man. So I guess that's weird, you know what I mean? But my feet wasn't sweating. You know? you I didn't have sweaty feet, man. You haters, come on. <laughs> Johnny Williams, what you got for me? Weirdest thing you keep at your desk, dog. Come on, give it to him. 2%. Let's go. Sir, I am a middle school science teacher. It just depends on what day of the week you, you come by my room. This past this past week at my desk, I had lima beans, cooked spaghetti noodles, candy corn, aluminum foil. Sir, I can I can go down a list, a complete list. It just depends on what day of the week you come to my classroom and step to my desk. Dottie I got desk it all. Trader Joe's. I'm a one-stop shop. Wow. Antoine. That's dope, though. Antoine, hey, you know what? What's hiding in that bottom drawer? <laughs> yeah, come on, Lewis. All right, man, look. Don't tell my wife. Uh-oh. 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 It's Girl Scout cookies in that bottom drawer. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell her. It's Girl Scout cookies down there, okay? And when I'm alone in my room, I see my tear the wall, and in the back of my mind, I hear my conscience. <laughs> and the, and the, it just be calling me and calling. Me. 
Hey, Antoine, I'm about to check your masculinity now. What type of Girl Scout cookie? Talk to me. Hey, man. Them tree bowls. If it's a tree, tree bowl, bowl, you my man. boy. You my boy. Okay. Come on, bro. I love them short braids. Oh, I love them short braids. Hey, I got the tree bowls there right now, dog. Hey, wait. Am I the only one who likes the Samoas? I like the coconut with the chocolate. And them dope too now. I get with all of them. Nazis. Okay, whatever. Whatever. I Man, I need. We talking about masculinity, and we over here talking about Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> Oh, no, man, we might have to scratch this part. Yeah, Donnie said he needs the lemon cookies. Y'all I need, I need, that. I need the lemon cookies. While you oh, play, man. hey, you fella, appreciate I got some that one. In the I got some that wraps up the teachers' lounge confessions. Oh, bro, another good one, Twan. Thank you, bro. Make sure you guys follow us at Mr. TOTP on Twitter, Tales of the Two Percent on Instagram. Join the conversation on Facebook group at Tales of the Two Percent Podcast. If you want to be a part of the conversation, leave us a teacher's lounge confessions. Email the show at TOTP Podcast at gmail.com or call and leave a voicemail at 470-765-8688. Man, who knows? We might have you be a guest on our next show. We talk about, I don't know, something. All right, hey, man, let's dive into our data dig real quick. E, man, hit us with the data for today. All right, it's data time. So let's dive into the numbers for this week's segment. The life expectancy for men in the region of America is five and eight tenth years below that of women, partly because societal expectations contribute to risk-seeking behaviors, says a new report from the Pan-American Health Organization, that's P-A-H-O. The report was launched on the eve of International Men's Day on November 19th. The executive summary of the masculinities and health in the region of the Americas report highlights that societal expectations of men to be providers, to, to engage in risk-seeking behaviors, to be sexually dominant, and to avoid discussing their emotions or seeking help. Behaviors commonly referred to as toxic masculinity are contributing to higher rates of suicide, homicide, addictions, road traffic accidents, as well as chronic non-communicable diseases among men. We must not lose sight of the fact that women bear differential risks associated with their status as women, said Ann Coates, chief of the Equity, Gender, and Cultural Diversity Office at PAHO. But the society's socialization of men also leads to broad range of health problems that can only be addressed through responsive health policies, programs, and services that focus on their particular need. The report also highlights that one out of five men die before the age of 50 and of the leading cause of death in Americas, including heart disease, interpersonal violence, and road accidents are directly related to socially constructed macho behaviors. So question for you fellas, All right. are societal norms or a man's lack of mental health awareness the cause for toxic masculinity? I'm gonna say absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely, I would agree as well. Absolutely. One of you guys jump in. Take it. Take it. Take it. Yeah. Um. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So, I think we pretty all we pretty much grew up with either a pop or an uncle. You know that previous generation of men. Man, they just didn't believe in talking. No. Something was going Mm -hmm. on. You know, I'm pretty sure. You know, we've had uh, older male figures in our family that died with you know carrying 
huge burdens, you know, yeah. whether it was just, you know, the burden of, you know, taking care of the family or things or traumas that they went through as children, adolescents, even as adults, you know, um, <clears throat> I can remember, you know, with my old man, he served in the military and there were lots of things that he didn't, you know, talk about God rest his soul. You know, it, it was, it was really hard to get my old man to ever talk and, you know, and uh, for some people, not all, that can lead to a lot of uh, unhealthy habits uh, because, you know, you're left to uh, cope in other ways, you know, versus talking, you know, relieving those mental burdens. So, yeah, I would say that's a huge, that's a huge contribution for uh, quote unquote toxic mas uh, masculinity. We all tripping over that word today. <laughs> yeah. That's right. yeah. Girl Scout cookies. Everybody think about girls. Yeah. yeah. I'll jump uh, in real quick on it, man, okay. if you don't mind. Uh, it'll be quick. Uh, I'll say, like, you know, to, to kind of piggyback what, what Dunny said, you know, um, oftentimes men men don't communicate, right? Mm -hmm. we, you know, we, we, we learn to not communicate. We're taught to not communicate as much because you got to man up, right? That quote unquote. So yeah. we begin to close our mouths and open up that bottle. Right. And, and by opening up that bottle, that's the alcohol bottle that I'm talking about. Right. And yeah. they begin drinking and they begin expressing their emotions through physical acts versus communicating properly. Um, I dealt with it personally. I know many others probably dealt with that type of thing personally because of men in the generations before us. Well, you know, that's how they dealt with situations. And now all that do is progresses to future generations. And if we don't stop it now as the men of the two percent then this is going to be an ongoing thing as we move forward so yeah yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think it's it's a little bit of both um it's hard to escape societal norms it's everywhere we we on on social media and co-workers and the news just through conversation so many people try to define manhood so Antoine said some people who aren't even men themselves try to define what your manhood should be right. and unfortunately we're programmed to not so much fall into the, the the trap of it but we're programmed to think that men should do this men are supposed to do this i'm supposed to work from sun up to sundown and not complain why because men are the hunters they're the gatherers they're supposed to work I'm supposed to not complain when my body is aching. Why? Because men are supposed to be tough. They're supposed to be able to take it. They're supposed to be able to bear it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not supposed to say anything if my feelings get hurt. Why? Because men aren't emotional. We, we don't speak about our emotions. You crying, that means you ain't a man. So that thinking has affected our mental state so much that it's hard to not in every way i feel like somebody has had to deal with toxic masculinity like you had to address your own definition of manhood and really redefine it i know for me what's helping me a lot out now is i actually go to therapy again all my black men out there don't be afraid to go to therapy talk to somebody and i've realized in my talking with my therapist that my communication more my lack of communication how it affected everything and how my definition of manhood wasn't wrong but 
because the way I thought this is what happened or because the way I didn't pay attention to this, this is what happened. My um, God rest my dad's soul. My dad passed away at 55. So when I heard the number that you just talked about, E, how men are passing away before the age of 50, let me tell you a few things my dad just had to deal with in his working. My dad, my dad was diabetic. My dad had a brain tumor. And the brain tumor did not stop my dad from working because he was convinced that he had to work where they actually had to force him to retire because of what was going on. And even after retirement, he was still trying to work and go places. And I honored him because of his work ethic. But in looking at that, it, it, it broke my heart a little bit because he wasn't willing to take care of himself. Mm-hmm. And that's I, that's unfortunately the generation that has taught us our work ethic. So I'm saying this to say, I hope that we address the mental side of it and learn to step outside of the societal norms. Yeah. Hey, hey, man, good dialogue, gentlemen. Just just for me to tap in, um, especially as I'm getting older and life is coming at me a little bit quicker. Um, I think we should also address that the word mental health should not have a negative stigma attached to it. Yeah, when man. you hear the word mental health, many people really just believe something is wrong. And to me, man, your mental health is just exactly what it sounds like. How are you doing? You know what I'm saying? And um, mm-hmm. if you don't sit back and just assess, okay, how do I feel? Why am I feeling this way? And what am I meditating on every day to make me feel this way? Then you can be a victim of wrong believing, wrong thinking, and you know, depression. That's how it attacks you. So um, I just urge every black man, hey, listen, it's okay. It's okay to, like you said, uh, Mr. Wilson, talk to a therapist. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be vulnerable in front of your woman. Um, yeah. It's okay to to speak calmly to, to your students and not scream. These are just some of the toxic traits that I notice a lot of black men suffer from. So yeah, be aware of who you are. Know thyself. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good stuff, mm. fellas. Good stuff. That's good. good dialogue. Everybody, hand claps. Everybody. Yeah, man, we are definitely going to tap back into this for a part two because this is too good to pass up. We don't went over about five or ten minutes talking about this, man. So, look, before <laughs> we get out of here to our SEL moment for the day, man, don't forget that um, this last segment is brought to you by the good folks over at Unfiltered. That is unfilteredforever.com. Check them out for all your clothing needs. They got everything from tees to tech suits, from hoodies to joggers and leggings, man. And, yes. It is another black owned business. Make sure you check out the good people over at Unfiltered. Use the promo code TAILS. That's right. T-A-L-E-S. Use the promo code TAILS at checkout for 15% off of your entire order. That's Unfiltered. And remember, there is a science to being you. All right, man. So look, our SEL moment. And then we're going to get with this ticket out the door, man. Our SEL moment isn't going to be that long, but I do think there is something that needs to be said to speak directly to all of our listeners today, man. So this SEL moment for today is titled, If Boys Don't Learn, Men Won't Know. If Boys Don't Learn, Men Won't Know. Now, as I was preparing 
this moment, as I was trying to write this down, man, I promise you, I wrote this about three or uh, seven different times because this one particular quote, which comes from a man by the name of Douglas Wilson, really struck me in reference to our topic for today, talking about toxic masculinity. If boys don't learn, men won't know. As boys, we're taught so many different things, but I've realized so many things are also left out of what a young boy should be or what a young boy should do. Young boys shouldn't cry. Young boys should, shouldn't should do this. Young boys shouldn't whine or moan. Young boys shouldn't play with this. Young boys shouldn't do this. Young boys should play sports. Young boys should do this. Young boys should be a man. And I thought about all the times when I was a kid, I'm no older than 12 years old and all the times that I was told that I had to be a man. And as I got older, I realized that the people who were telling me that I should be a man didn't even know what manhood was themselves. They didn't even understand how to operate and things like that themselves. So it brought me to another quote. It brought me to another quote that said this. Um, this comes from Albert Einstein. And Albert Einstein said this. Try not to become a man of success but rather try to become a man of value. And I think that's what's missing a lot from our definition of masculinity. Again, do I have all the answers? No. Am I the perfect picture of a man? By all means, no. I'm a walking contradiction uh, that has been saved by grace. But what I have learned is that when my values change, my definition and how I was accepted as a man changed as well. When I started to value myself more, other people valued me more as well. When I started to be mindful of how I was, my position and my power in the community, that's when I saw the community started to change. Our communities need us. They need men. And if we don't teach our boys now then all we're doing is raising the next generation of men who aren't going to be able to communicate, who aren't going to be able to step up and lead when we need them the most. So no matter what you're going through right now, to all of my people in the 2%, to all of my ladies, to all of my fellas, to all of our listeners, no matter what you're going through, don't focus on success. Manhood doesn't have to be defined by the number of women that you sleep with, the, the amount of zeros in your bank account, the car in your driveway. But what do you value? What is at your heart? That's what defines and really uh, to determine your masculinity. What is at your heart? Because truly, if boys don't learn, men won't know. And I hope you know that manhood the real definition of manhood and the real definition of masculinity is based on your values and what you leave behind for the next generation, man. Every man should have their thumbprint, should have their fingerprint on something to say, I'm going to make you better. I'm going to make this better. All of our leaders, all of our um, um, historical figures, all the people who we often pattern our manhood after knew and accepted the call that they needed to make their community better. So try not to become a man of success, but rather try to become a man of value. Gentlemen, that's our SEL moment for today, man. How you guys feeling after that? Inspired. 
privileged, blessed that I'm a part mm-hmm. of this you know, union of, of great information that's being distributed out to the world, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. We're just trying to do a little bit at a time. And again, disclaimer, we don't have it all figured out. By all means, no. But we are in this race with every last single one of you, all my men, all my women and everything. Each and every day is a new battle. Each and every day is a new challenge. And the one thing I say a man should do is when you get up in the morning, be ready for a fight, man. And don't run from it. That's the main thing, man. That is the main thing. So that is our SEL moment of the day, man. Let's go ahead and get to our ticket out the door um take it out the door man i i, I ain't read the last hey, uh, <laughs> uh i know mr uh mr naji uh held it down for us last week so uh i'm just gonna bring something to us if that's okay gentlemen Bless um, for one of my, my favorite uh one of my favorite artists uh tupac shakur um since it's something that he said that always stuck out to me you know um you know i've studied tupac's music um, I've actually been a fan and a student of his from everything that he did. And uh, one thing that I noticed about him, he said this, he said, they asked him, you know, why was he like the way he was? He said, I'm so hard because I'm so soft. Mm. He said, I'm so hard because I'm so soft. And since we're talking about toxic masculinity, I think that applies to every man. We mm-hmm. we're so hard that we're so soft. and um. You know, I want to read this poem that he wrote. It's called The Rose That Grew From Concrete. Ooh, and it's going to yeah, take boy. us out the door. It's going to take yeah, us out boy. the door, y'all. All right, here we go. Here we go. Did you hear about the rose that grew from a crack in the concrete? Proving nature's laws wrong, it learned to walk without having feet. Mm. Funny it seemed, but by keeping its dreams, it learned to breathe fresh air. Long live the rose that grew from concrete when no one else even cared. Yes, and sir. um I just want to leave y'all with this man. Whatever your whatever your concrete is, whatever your obstacle is, young black men just understand you too can grow just like that rose. Yes sir. Hand claps around for you bro. That's amazing fellas. We did it again man. Another dope episode man another phenomenal episode man this is your man mr wilson on behalf of my boy naji on behalf of my man antoine on behalf of my Chill. man Tiny williams we are out of here man y'all have a good one y'all go ahead and get on the out of here bro take care of them kids yeah take care of them babies boy take care of them kids yeah later on people all right hey bless us y'all be good all right yes sir Thank you.